Welcome to Revive Nations, touching nations one life at a time. His word is a fire shut up in our bones. Be revived, renewed and restored. Access more resources and partner with us on our website revivenations.org. Hello friends, greetings to you all in Jesus name. Here we are, we are in Melbourne on a Monday morning. Just finished an amazing Sunday yesterday. Uh, we had two services and God poured out His Spirit on both the services. Yesterday evening was uh, inauguration of the first Revive Nations Church in Australia and, and uh, now we are in the process of preparing for the uh, Revive Conferences in Adelaide, Sydney and Melbourne and we are very excited for what God has in store. But last night after the meeting, as we were meeting with the pastor who uh, planted the church in Australia, uh, the, the first church, the church is called Holy Revelation Church and there were so many things that you shared with him that I found was very insightful. For me also, uh, after being in church planting for a long time, many of those things I found so inspiring and, and uh, helpful, so I thought we should share it with many of those who are interested in pioneering. Before we take off, I must mention Pastor Priji, um, his passion Two, two areas that he's passionate about is one is podcasting and the second is church planting. And uh, every time we meet, he manages to get me to pause and record this podcast. So now the Lord blessed our ministry with a new camera. And uh, so we're taking this out for a spin. Hope you like uh, the quality. And, and please ignore the background yeah, ignore noise. Ignore the noise because it's, we just want to keep it uh, plain and simple. And, and so, yeah. Thank you, Pastor Priji, for doing this and reminding me over and over again to be faithful with, uh, with reaching out to our people on social media. Amen. Uh, Pastor Shaiju, what do you think? Do you think that church planting is, uh, is an important calling in church in, in, among youngsters today? And See, it is a very interesting thing that uh, we've, been, uh, we've been seeing lately is that God has been using young church planters. Maybe a decade ago, mm -hmm. it wasn't so um, simple. Mm -hmm. And it surprises me that I'm at, at 29 years, God has entrusted me to be a senior pastor of a church in Montreal. Um, and I see that you guys are gone ahead of me. When did you start uh, church planting? I started church planting in 2008, which when I, I should be 21 back then. Say so at the age of 21, how old are you now? 28 now. 28. All our Revived, Gen Revived Nations generals, I think Cleophas is about uh, in his 30, in his early 30. 30. And Jeevan is also in his 30s. And Chetan, yeah. maybe 28, 29. Yeah. And all the, the entire Ed, Jonathan Edward. Yeah, he, he should be in his late 20s. Pastor Sumit. All, all these guys, one thing that you see that they're in their late 20s and God is still using them. I think, I think the bigger challenge is, is for the fathers to accept the fact that, that young people can also plant churches. Yeah. I think for, uh, there was a, 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 maybe about 10 years ago or maybe five years ago, I noticed that the, the, the spiritual fathers, they were open to the idea of um, uh, young people being evangelists, even though not, not too excited about it, but they slowly started releasing them into it. But then I think this is a new season where they're stepping into uh, the pastoral ministry. Mm -hmm. But I also think that there's a lot of dangers in it. Right. 
so there has to be a balance maintained where they have to I be think, accountable. Oh, I, oh, to answer your question, I think the, the most important part is that it is not an ambition. Right. For example, as evangelists, um, it was more exciting to see a young minister preach and you said, okay, if he can do it, I can do it. Right. And they all jumped the bandwagon. But I think pastoral ministry is a lot more than just preaching around. Right, right. And it's a lot more risk and a lot more of dangers, a lot more of the, the fall is um, and more painful because there's so much of responsibility, a direct responsibility of souls. Mm. So it requires a certain level of maturity, it requires a certain level of accountability, a certain level. There's so much more involved as a pastor than an evangelist. Right, right. So unlike being like being an evangelist, you could just you could say, hey, I'm, I'm going to preach everywhere. The Lord opens the door and just walk in. That's it. For an evangelist, you walk into the place, you drop the bomb and you walk out. Mm. But for a pastor, there's much more involved. Right. So I don't think that is something that you should be imitating. Mm. So that is a part that kind of gets me very when I see some people that says, hey, I, I want to do it because they are doing it. Right. Right. And that's when they break relationships, hurt leadership. Mm. And a lot of conflicts happen around it because it's not, it's not necessarily their calling. Right, but, right. but an emotional excitement to walk into something. But that being said, I do sense that this is a season where God is raising a lot of young people with a great mighty pastoral calling to walk into the church planting. And also, just to let you know that it's a process of a lot of dying. That's true. You know? That's definitely true. <laughs> okay, tell me about this. Now, is, isn't it necessary that I be... Uh, you know, see, when I'm an evangelist, I don't have to necessarily be under, I'm not saying it's not important, but not necessarily be under the covering of a ministry. But when I'm a pastor, is it, isn't it necessary for me to be under the covering of a ministry because, uh, or, or uh, an apostle or a bishop over the church uh, other than myself? Because there can come a time when it becomes a dictatorial uh, you know, denomination or a dictatorial uh, leadership over the church. So, uh, so isn't it necessary for a church pastor to have a covering? You know, your, your statement about evangelists not necessarily having to be under a ministry. Um, if a Western church planter here, that they would freak out. Is it? Um, because it's it's completely circumstantial. Okay. Uh, in this part of the world mm -hmm. where there was not as much as support for evangelists so they went out anyway they did anyway they didn't have a father to stand by them so they said you know what it doesn't matter we're still going to do it mm -hmm. so now looking back mm -hmm. to the last 22 years that i've been uh, in the ministry as an evangelist mm -hmm. predominantly and the fact that year and a half now as a pastor and, and then before that as a youth pastor coming from a western um, perspective too, I've realized that not necessarily that is a healthy relationship and not necessarily a healthy habit. Um, whether it's an evangelist or a pastor, they have to be under yeah, leadership. Yeah, it, it's, it's the accountability factor um, is, is one of the blessings in the body. Right. But that being said, mm -hmm. it is not a reality in most many situations that I have personally encountered. I understand. Um, for different factors, mm -hmm. different challenges involved. Mm -hmm. Some people genuinely don't have leaders that understand. Right. I know of many of young people that have a genuine calling mm -hmm. 
have a genuine pastoral ministry or an evangelistic ministry, but their leadership won't let them and quench them. Mm. So what do you do? You know, so at some point, you, it, they break out of it saying, okay, I understand that I stay under and wait for God to open a door for one year, two years. Mm. But now that's, if that's the same thing, that that pastor himself is afraid of somebody coming up or mm. releasing right. them into ministry, right. then they start uh, controlling. Right. And it, it's a fail in itself. And that's when people seem to break off. But I believe that no matter if there is somebody that believes in you or understands you or mentors you mm -hmm. or guides you or not, mm -hmm. uh, if you genuinely seek, mm -hmm. God will bring people that will speak Very into true. that. So Very for me personally, it's been, it's been difficult. Like even, even today, while we were on the way, I, I mentioned something to you. I said, pray that God will connect us to the right person, sure. the right church planters mm. that can help me and the church that I'm pastoring mm. because there is something that something about people that have gone that way done that mm. been there True. you know their failures is our lessons mm. so there's something beautiful about it mm. and, but then again not necessarily should mentors come in a fashion that you think it is right, right. because some of my my best counsel have come from people that were not even in the ministry mm. so be open to learning consistently from everything and everybody and in the process find and ask the Lord to bring you ministries and leaders that will guard you and protect you mm. and teach you and guide you make your life much easier yeah so, so if it took 22 years for them to get there you don't need 22 years so it is necessary for you to 200 evangelist or pastor you it is necessary for you to have a spiritual covering and a ministerial covering over your life uh, now, I know for a fact that there are many people who approach you, asking you to mentor them, asking you to give them a covering. How do you, what do you look for when, uh, you know, when you decide to say yes to somebody or when you decide, yes, I'm going to mentor you, yes, I'm going to uh, give you a spiritual covering from Revive Nations. What, what do you look for, basically? See, uh, personally, I think in, in my shoes right now, um, the factors are not factors that are universal so it's just my personal right. taste and not necessarily a universal rule um, I don't I don't believe in in churches saying okay look let's this seems like a good ministry so let's just associate with them don't associate with a name because they are a name okay. you know you have to associate with somebody because there is a spiritual covenant Right. because there is a spiritual connection mm -hmm. you don't go by how many facebook likes they have mm -hmm. you don't go by how popular they are right. you go by is god in it is is this a divine connection is this something are we on the same stream mm -hmm. one day i was talking to a young person he wanted he wanted somebody to mentor them okay. and that person that was mentoring was not in the even the same stream that as the person there are different streams in the body right mm -hmm. So there are some people that are so passionate about Bible teaching and teaching and teaching and teaching. Mm. A good example is John Piper. I, I love him. I've I learned so much from him. Okay. Uh, we may not agree 100% in certain theological issues, but he's a phenomenal teacher. I've learned so right. much from him. But that is not necessarily my stream. Mm. Right? And there are some people that focus so much on healing. Mm. Right? And there are some people that say, oh, you've got to bring the balance. You cannot just focus on No, 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 no. That's their calling. That's mm. their mandate. Let them do what they are called to do in the body. Right. Right. You know, don't have to judge them as any less than you. True, true. So you need to find what stream you are. There are some evangelistic streams, mm. like a bonkis ministry is purely evangelistic. Evangelism, evangelism. You know, for him everything is evangelism. I've heard him say, "Oh, I don't believe in revival because 
for him every meeting he sees a million people saved. Right, right. But that doesn't make it right either. Right, right. Because God uses all the body and different parts of. So you need to find what is your stream. Right, right. And and connect yourself with that stream. And, exactly. And so personally, right now I'm slow in trying to mentor too many people because I'm trying to balance between what Revival Nations does mm. and at the same time strengthening the body of Christ uh, in Montreal. In Montreal. And at the same time, um, right now we've we've had my spiritual sons that the Lord has brought mm. them into my life and me into their life. Mm. And over over five to ten years, mm. um, they have started to bud and they've started planting. Mm. So for me right now, my immediate commitment is towards them. Right. Uh, so I'm not looking to gather anybody and everybody around. Right. But if God is in it, He will connect us in His time, in His ways, in ways that are beyond just natural man-made circumstances. So I, I believe, so if, if you have to connect, the one stream that you would be very passionate about is definitely revival. Absolutely. Right? Revival has been a um, heartbeat right from the beginning, you know. Um, it's no matter where I go, I seem to end up there. The other day I was preaching at a, at a wedding mm. and I ended up talking revival. revival. <laughs> it was borderline <laughs> revival. I was like, it's the spirit that brings you both. And I, I felt like if they let me lose, it would have been a revival sermon, you know? So it's, it's, it's the words in Malachi, by the portion of my spirit, I've made them one. Okay. I can preach that forever. Okay. No matter which wedding, I, I want to bring that in because that's the side that excites me the most. That's just the call of God upon our life. Wow. Praise God. So, okay, uh, let's assume that I'm, a, I'm, I'm very new to church planting and I, I have like less than five people in my church. What advice would you give me to, uh, to be able to lay a solid foundation in the beginning years of my church so that when, when the church grows big, that our church is still, uh, you know, is rock solid. It's, it's not unstable, it's not a floating people, floating crowd because I've seen you being very insightful in these uh, circumstances. I think one of the biggest things that a young church planter must avoid is the temptation of activities. Okay. Like conferences and let's do that and let's do that. Let's do Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday women's and Friday men's and Saturday prayer and Sunday. Basically, you, you spread yourself too thin mm -hmm. and then you, you're also asking a, so much commitment from people mm -hmm. and what generally happens is a burnout right so instead of asking them to come every single day mm -hmm. you have to focus on the minimal mm -hmm. and do the minimal right okay so instead of hovering all over let's do everything together you focus on the basics for me that has been my greatest excitement in my church okay. so we just during week week the week we just have two things the word and prayer okay i don't want anything else mm. i i don't want to have additional activities i resist the temptation of additional if my people can focus on prayer and bible study right mm -hmm. i think that is sort of the biggest foundation of a strong church okay so we do wednesday prayers mm -hmm. and friday bible study okay so this is the main focus of of the, the church, church. Mm -hmm. and and in fact, when I became a pastor, we had 38 ministries in the church. Mm -hmm. We had to cut them all down and say, let's just focus on the bare minimum till we are able to stand up straight first. Mm -hmm. And we cut it down to nine ministries. Mm -hmm. and, and I still remember one of the sisters started calling me Edward Scissorhands. Apparently in some movie, okay. there's a Johnny Depp's movie where he cuts everything. 
His, his hands are apparently made of scissors. Okay. You know? And, and I said, I don't care because I, it's not about us being everywhere. It's mm. about doing the little right. Mm -hmm. So I believe the basic foundation is not to rush. Mm. Don't expect numbers. I believe in having a good count of what is happening, how many people come in, how many people go. But don't make numbers your motivation. Right. You've had uh, the similar experience on numbers. Right. What is your experience as uh, when you start a young church? What is your experience on numbers? I, when I started my the, the church in Bangalore, we, we were like four of us. That's about it. And that's, that's how it was for the first one year. It, it took uh, beyond the first year for the four people to actually begin to bring more people in. So there, there were many discouraging uh, times, you know, during those four. Because if if one or two people are gone, fifty percent of your church is not there. <laughs> it's it's like a big task to to remain faithful and you know continue doing what you're doing even in those times. And uh, uh, you know, it, it's been a it's been a very difficult task to to remain. Uh, uh, focused even even during those things. <laughs> I understand. I, I understand even also from the perspective of being the youth pastor because for one year the Lord said don't go anywhere, be a youth pastor to the... Right. I think if they were, were consistent they would be 15 young adults. Right. And uh, I, I remember it was such a dying experience yeah. coming from a, as an evangelist where you are used to seeing hundreds and thousands right. of people yes. and down to week after week just 15 people. For me, it was the biggest dying experience. But that prepared me to for the next phase yeah. as a senior pastor. Mm. Um, because again, we we did see a lot of growth. Okay. We saw about 110 people in nine months getting baptized. Okay. And, but besides that, you, as an evangelist, you're used to big, big numbers, right. immediate numbers, like shift. Mm. Like in Melbourne, we started with 50 people. By third day, we had 350 people. Mm. But what we don't understand is, that's a crowd that's going back to their churches. Right, right. But in church, it's not a floating crowd. Right, you right. want to focus on church, your believers growing with the roots going deep. Mm. Not just, you, it's, you're not interested in getting a whole lot of crowd. Very you're looking true. at disciples. Very true. You're looking at people that will stay focused and stay in that place and to thick and thin and bear much fruits. You know, I have some friends who are planting churches in, uh, you know, university towns where students come in and go. Like they have at the max three years with these students uh, before they, they leave uh, and, and, and majority of them are young people, right? So how, what is the best way to have a stable congregation there? Like we cannot expect many of these, for example, you know, I have a friend in Manipal who is pastoring there. So Manipal will not give you any job, anything. The only reason people go there is for studying. So, you know, in those three years, how can you have a stable congregation and at the same time, you know, have a, uh, by the time they leave that you, your churches? I think in, in, in situations like that, in, in places like that, the, the individual's calling is different right. from the church planting in different other places. So they have to be intentional about the fact that whoever that, that, that the, are planting such churches, they have a shelf life of three years. Mm. So then they function very differently. Mm. So then they have to become a missionary church. Right, right. So they have to uh, transition from the ideology of uh, uh, having churches, people that are going to be forever there, mm -hmm. to training people from zero to a hundred. 
from believers to leaders. So then they change from saying, okay, I've got three years to turn this fellow into a disciple to a leader who's going to plant churches. Right. So right. they become churches that launch. I'm getting goosebumps as I say. They <laughs> become true. churches that train leaders. So I think everything has to change. The way they do Wednesday, Friday has to change. The way they do services have to change. It has to be targeted into a very mission-oriented group where you're looking at how can I turn this guy into a leader? Because mm. I just got three years with this guy. Right. And within three years, train him to be a church planter. I think mm. they, they have a greater potential. Because f for a church like ours, mm. um, to put we somebody to be, a, to be a missionary, to yeah. send them out, yeah. would be a greater challenge. Because they get comfortable in the city. It's their house. My house is 10 minutes away. Don't tell me that I have to go to Africa, you know? Right. But in, in this scenario, they're already going to move. Right. So you might as well as train them to go back and be a church planter themselves. Very true. Very true. I, I'm so blessed. I'm so inspired. Would you, would you want to just pray for someone out there who is seeking for direction in, in church planting and, and in pioneering? It might not be necessarily only church planting. It could also be somebody who want to start a youth fellowship, a youth group in their school, college, uh, their workplace. Whatever they're pioneering, they're praying about it. Would you want to just pray and absolutely absolutely I want to also mention that if, if you're starting something if you're already part of a church and and if you want to start a youth group or something it's very crucial that you do it in alignment with your church true because if God has planted you in a church it's a different scenario so it's very important that you keep your past in form you keep you do things with the blessing of your pastor mm. otherwise what happens is it becomes a para movement it becomes a movement within the movement mm. so the church is already having a, a, a mission a vision a direction and you come alongside and you start planning your own stuff you use the resources of the church the people of the church the the everything else within the church and do not flow with the mission and the vision and the direction of the church mm. so instead of becoming a blessing you become a pain yeah. Uh, so it's very important that you don't do things for the sake of doing it. But if God is calling you out, and if God is saying go to this place and move out or uh, do something um, in this city or this province, speak, sit with your pastor, tell him this is how I've been feeling, pastor, keep this in your prayers. And sit, pray with your pastors, pray with your leaders, weep with your leaders and ask them to pray and, and, and God will begin to use them to speak into your life. Um, there's always case scenarios where some people may not um, release you immediately and it also it's important for you to know that sometimes from from the other end you may think that it's time for you to move out but if God has placed some leader over you God has also given them the grace and wisdom to know what you may otherwise not understand very true. so it's very tricky but I believe that if you will sincerely fast and pray the Lord will give you clarity God will show you whether if, if it is time for you to be removed out of that place and and launch you, God will do that too. So don't allow anything to discourage you. Let's pray together. Come on, let's pray together. Father, I pray for your children who are watching this video clip. Let your grace, mercy and favor. Lord, Amen. I believe that you will, for those that fear him, yeah. you will be the one who gives them direction. Amen. As it says in Psalms 25. Yes, so Father, Lord. we ask you for divine direction for children yes, that are watching Father. this video mm. and that their hearts are burning when they watch this and they're excited about what you will do through them. Yes, I pray Lord. that your spirit will come upon them 
and make them great for your mercy. Amen. Thank you for this opportunity to do this video on the go. And I pray that it will bless your children. Amen. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys for joining today and uh, you can catch uh, Pastor Shaiju on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and on the uh, uh, latest vlogs that vlogs right that's how you call it vlogs that he has been doing and uh, uh, take a moment to share this video with someone else who will be blessed by the same. God bless you until next time.